1: is the only shelter from the coming storm.
2: Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Matthew 9, verse 35. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. The McClures were just good folk. Mac worked at the at the factory over in Sharon, Pennsylvania. It was over a mile long. They produced Westinghouse washing machines and dryers. Teresa, she worked hard at home, keeping the house spotless, preparing the meals, taking care of the two kids. She spent her time Getting new recipes, planning what they were going to do as a family. They were good Catholic folk, never miss mass. The McClures had been our neighbors, and then after some years, we had moved, and when we returned to the area, we didn't move in to their neighborhood. But they got in touch, Mom and Teresa. They liked to sit and chit-chat. They didn't have a lot in common, but they were both kind women. George, the oldest son, was a football player, a football star in high school. He was a bit of a loud mouth, a, a bully. I didn't like to be around him because he bullied me, pushed me around. They had a daughter. I don't even recall her name. I was so shy and so afraid of girls in that day. I don't think I ever spoke to her once. Well, as time passed... We would spend our Christmas Eve with the McClure's. She was an awesome baker and made the most delicious Christmas cookies. And that was such a rare treat for me because my mother would burn anything she tried to bake. She was a bacteriologist by degree and by work. Dad didn't make things like cookies. He made things like pancakes and eggs and and all other kinds of just good food, but no desserts. We would go and spend Christmas Eve, and of course, they always had the television on. We didn't have a television in our home. Dad thought it was a, a product of the devil, which I now totally agree with him. It was a product of the devil. They would show Christmas movies. It was a time of just total sitting back and relaxing on their big, beautiful couches. Mac would come home from work, tired, He'd sit down and have his beer. He'd take a nap, have dinner, then sit and watch television the rest of the evening. I liked the McClure's. They were pleasant people to be with. They didn't want to talk about Jesus. They were Catholics. They didn't want to talk about reading the scriptures because the priest read them And interpreted them for them. I remember George totaled their car and it sat out in the front yard waiting to be towed away by the insurance people. Some years later, I lost track of them because I went off to a Christian boarding school in preparation for becoming a pastor. But Mom and Dad kept me up to date on what was happening with them. Mac got cancer. And soon after that, he died. George had an accident, was injured. I don't remember what finally happened to George, except I know he died. The daughter in the family married... A fast track man. Got a divorce. I never heard about her again. Why am I telling you all of this? Well, because they were just normal American people. That's what American people did. No, may I say, not much has changed, has it? The beer is still there. The hard work is still there. The nice home, the good food, that's all still there. Getting married and getting divorced, well, that's still there. Living a life, an American life. Now, that American life is slowly draining away. And we've got trouble in America. But I want to read for you the passage of scripture again that I read at the beginning. He saw the crowds. He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That's what the McClure's were. They were helpless without a shepherd just living life. And whatever life threw at them, they tried to handle the best they could and then settled back into their television. He said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. The McClures would have been considered by Jesus as a part of the plentiful harvest that was available but the workers are few ask the lord of the harvest therefore to send out workers into his harvest field now we need to take just a minute and look at what that means to jesus not not what it means to you or me on evangelism what it meant to jesus he called his 12 disciples to him this is matthew 10 He gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. That's what it looked like for evangelism in Jesus' day. It wasn't an intellectual process. It wasn't a head game. It was the power of Jesus coming through the apostles, through the disciples, driving out the evil spirits healing the disease and the sickness. Then the 12 are named, and Jesus sends them out. Don't go among the Gentiles or enter the town. Of the, no, they needed to work first among Jewish people. They were in training. Go and preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Do not take along any gold and silver or copper in your belts. Take no bag for your journey or extra tunic or sandals or staff, for the worker is worth his keep. And then very clear directions about, okay, When you go into a place, if they do not allow you, if they do not listen to you, if they do not receive you, shake the dust off your feet and go to another place. And he said, I tell you, it'll be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. I'm sending you like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes, as innocent as doves. All men will hate you because of me, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you're persecuted in one place, flee to another. Now, what I'm wanting you to hear is that there is a vast group of people that we live among And he's saying, go out among those people. But we don't have the power to heal the sick anymore, and I don't know of anybody who does. Now, I do, and I'm waiting on Jesus to heal me, and I know he will. But I know it's going to require what Jesus gave the disciples to begin to make a serious inroad into this wicked age in which we live real sickness is going to have to be healed broken bones are going to have to be restored demons are going to have to be cast out now you may feel like well i just want to withdraw from this wicked world i i hate it and you know what i hate the sin and the wickedness of our age but I also know that it's ripe for harvest. And then he says, verse 26, Matthew ten twenty six, do not be afraid of them. There's nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or, or hidden that will not be made known. Jesus begins to talk in real terms about it will mean, what it will mean, to go out and begin to talk to people about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. It's not enough for you to say, "Oh, I want out of here." Oh, I do too. But that's not enough. There's a work to be done. There's a healing to take place. There's a confrontation with evil that needs to take place today among real Christians. Unfortunately, most people who consider themselves real Christians are just real worldly Christians. Listen. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You know, what I'm reading to you is startling if you take it literally and begin to understand that in this great, vast throng of people that are just living the American life or the Western life, these people who, who are good folk, but in desperate need of salvation, in desperate need of coming to know a personal Jesus that they give all of their allegiance to. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Right now, today, we want a peaceful life. We're tired of the hassle. We're tired of the war. We're tired of being terrified by the government with all of their foolishness. But it's not about finding a peaceful mind in your love to cook. It's not about finding a peaceful mind in your love to shoot. Now, I love to shoot, but I don't find a peaceful mind at a shooting range. I don't find a peaceful mind in a nice restaurant. Well, many people find a peaceful mind in a bottle. Many find a peaceful mind in their religion, in their meditation. I don't. For me, there's only one place where my mind is at peace. And that's in utterly being given over to Jesus Christ. So that I have no future. I have no future in entertainment. I have no future in religion. I don't like religion with its rituals and its forms and its rules i don't like that my joy comes in jesus christ my joy comes in in loving and serving other people to draw them into the kingdom of heaven you understand we're dealing here with two very different kingdoms One is the kingdom of this world and its Broadway churches. The other kingdom is the kingdom of heaven that Matthew talks about so eloquently. Where the Matthew loves to talk about Jesus and about the wonderful gift of the kingdom of heaven that has now come among us. kingdom of heaven is under the rulership of Jesus Christ it is not a part of this world we are an insurgent power coming into America and coming into the world where Jesus Christ is king where he is Lord where he is everything to us Now, if you read on, John the Baptist sends some of his disciples to check out who Jesus is. Are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? Go back and report to John what you hear and what you see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. The good news is preached to the poor. Now, just a quick question. If someone came to you and said, I need to check out your church, what would they find going on in your church? What would they find your pastor doing? Would he report back and say, oh, at that church, the blind receive sight, the lame walk"? Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. The good news is being preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. I want to say this, please, with all the love and kindness in my heart. The American church is apostate. We don't do any of these things. We said it's already in the past. And right now we just have this little intellectual game we play. Oh, come to the altar and and say a few words about... You've repented of your sins. No, you haven't. You're still doing the same sins. It's a farce. We've got to come to terms with this Is corporately and individually we've got to come to terms with the fact that we are not in the line of the workers of the gospel of the new testament well how do we get there we do what jesus said we lose our life for the sake of the kingdom of god we lose our money For the sake of the kingdom of God, we lose our reputation for the name of Jesus Christ. We lay our lives down for Jesus. And we say, I am a follower. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I will pay the price. This is not easy. I'm sorry, I'm not talking fluff. I want Jesus. Yes, I want him to heal me. But I want him to heal me so that we can say once more, the gospel is coming. He's restoring the gospel. It's time to confess our sins. It's time to turn from our... our wickedness. It's time to give up our good American life and our entertainment and our television and our internet and our cell phones. It's time to give up the world and go after Jesus, not with judgment in our hearts, not with condemnation in our words. There's a harvest and there are no workers in the harvest field. I'm pleading with Jesus to send workers into the harvest field. I'm pleading that he would equip me to go back into that harvest field. I tell you what. There is a passage of scripture. In Luke, the 11th chapter. We've all heard it many times to the point it makes me sick because we've misinterpreted it. We've made it uh, something soft. Let me read it to you, beginning in verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, Anyone living in the world and playing the world's game is tired, weary, and burdened. When your child totals your car, when you lose your job, things happen in our culture. When you've had to take up two or three jobs just to make ends meet. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And I will give you rest. Now, how does Jesus give us rest? This is shocking to me. I've never heard this before. Come to me all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Rest means cessation. It's it's bedroom. It's rest. Well, how do you... How does he give us rest? Verse 29. You've entered into the bedroom of God, What's he say to you? Here. Take my yoke upon you. And begin to learn from me. That's how we enter into the rest of Jesus. By taking his yoke. And learning from him. You know what a yoke is. It's what they put on the oxen. They bind them together with a yoke. And now they're only going to go together. They're not going to go separately from from that point forward. So Jesus is saying, look, if you're tired out, you're weary, you're sick of this world, then come to me and I'll give you rest. And the rest I'm going to give you is I'm going to put you in my yoke and i want you to begin to seriously learn from me well, I, as you know i i fell and broke my leg my right leg i can't use it it's it won't take any weight it's it's fractured and i've been sitting spending many hours every day just waiting before Jesus, listening. I took his yoke, and now I'm learning from him. You understand, when you're yoked with Jesus, you don't go your own way anymore. And for me, it took breaking a leg to stop going my own way. Pardon the people outside who are doing the yard work take my yoke upon you and learn from me. You're going to have to start learning from Jesus what he wants you to do. And you're going to have to stop doing what you want to do. You're going to have to stop many of your activities and say, no, I'm yoked with Jesus. Where are you going, Jesus? I'm going wherever you're going for I am gentle and humble in heart. He's saying, take my yoke, get yoked up with me. Give yourself to me. And let me tie you in so you can't leave. And now begin to learn about how to do the work of the gospel with me. Most of you, and I have to admit, I too, don't know much about this gospel work. Oh, I know a lot about evangelism explosion. I know a lot about friendship evangelism, but that's not what Jesus has reference to. Jesus is talking about really getting close together, yoked together. And now you're only going to go where Jesus goes, and you're going to go at his pace. Right now, my pace with Jesus is extremely slow. I walk by pushing a chair ahead of me and not putting any weight on that right leg. Okay, I'm willing to do that if he'll teach me in this process how to do his work. It's not a campaign It's not a series of classes that are, oh, our church has to do these classes this fall so we can bring people into the church. No, that's, no, come on, come on. This is not about institutional religion. This is about being yoked in with Jesus and learning how to walk with him in such a way that, I lose my own opinions. There's nothing uglier than a worker for Jesus who is so full of his own stuff, so full of his own ideas, and he criticizes and is down on anybody who wants to do a program a little differently than his program. And most pastors are, could I put it gently to you, please? They don't know any better. Most pastors in America are program managers. Program managers. Jesus was not a program manager. When the the hungry came, he broke the bread and fed them. He didn't go back the next day to feed them again. I'm not saying don't feed the hungry. I feed the hungry but we've institutionalized our programs. Why don't you bring that homeless person into your house? Now, now you're going to learn about Jesus. You're going to learn about what it's like to minister to the broken and to the poor. You see, we have to come to a place where we give up our institutional religion. and you begin as you're yoked in with Jesus you begin to learn from him how to love another person and how to forget about yourself the greatest need we have in the church today is to how can we forget about ourselves isn't that something and i have to confess for so many years as a pastor All I wanted to do was be successful. I don't want to be successful anymore. I want to learn from Jesus how to love another person. I want to learn from Jesus how to minister to them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Notice. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me for I'm gentle and humble in heart. In other words, I'm not going to beat you up. Most religions that I know are always beating people up. And And then it says, and you will find rest for your soul. Okay, you want rest? you're weary, you're tired, come get yoked in with Jesus. Lose your life. Put him first above everything else. You'll find rest for your soul. You will not find rest for your soul in a busy program. You will not find rest for your soul trying to be a place where they scratch together the biggest piles of brush but have no fire to light it up. He says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My burden is light. Once you cross over And you begin to be yoked together with Jesus, and you begin to learn from Jesus how to love another person and how to bring them, oh, everything changes. But now I'm going to be very straight with you. You cannot do what he describes in Matthew 11. If you've never been yoked in with Jesus and learned how to bring healing, physical and mental, to another person. If you've not learned how to cast out a demon. Do you understand why I'm saying, I haven't learned this yet. But I'm crying aloud to God and I'm saying, oh God, teach me how to do this. Teach me how to walk with you where you go, when you go. Teach me how to be a New Testament worker for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I lay it all down on the line. I love Jesus. I'm not interested in the Pharisees. Isaiah wrote, Here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love, in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out, no one will hear his voices in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out. See, I'm a, I'm a bruised reed. I'm a smoldering wick. And Isaiah said, Jesus is not going to snuff you out. And he's not going to break you further. Till he leads justice to victory. In his name the nations will put their hope. That's Matthew, the 12th chapter, verse 17. We have a work to do. And that work is not a campaign. And that work is not a program. Shut them off. Shut them down. Go find where Jesus is. Get yoked up with him. Learn from him. He's gentle and he's humble in heart. And as you walk with Jesus, you'll find rest in your soul forget about yourself you don't need to be successful you just need jesus he's everything he's your food he's your water he's your blood every morning i pray almighty god oh lord jesus I beseech you, shelter me under your spilled blood from Calvary. Cover me with your spilled blood from Calvary. Calvary. Lord Jesus, I need you so desperately. I am asking if you would yoke me in with you if you would teach me how to heal the sick, how to cast out the demons. Lord, I'm asking, would you you yoke me in? I only want to go where you go, Jesus. You're gentle and humble in heart. I've dealt with so many proud and arrogant people who call themselves Christians. Christians, and Lord, I've been one of them at times. Forgive me. Lord, you're gentle. You're humble. I want to find rest for my soul. And that's what I'm doing. And I thank you for the hours I've spent alone with you waiting upon you, learning from you, trusting you. It says your yoke is easy and my burden is light. Right now it doesn't feel like your yoke is very easy. And it feels like my burden is not light. But I know it's in the process of change as I deal honestly with what your word speaks and how you want me to walk. Oh, Lord, I come today. I come to your brothers and to your sisters. Lord, we've been lied to. We've been told that the power to heal the sick is not in our day. Lord, that can't be true. That was your evangelism style. That was what you did to help people understand your love and your mercy and your grace. The first thing you did was you healed them. Mm -hmm. You restored them. Lord, surely we need that power today with words that go along that invite men and women to come to you, to surrender themselves to you, to stop fighting you, for you love them. Lord, so many people I talk to, they're afraid you'll hurt them They're afraid you're going to hold them captive. And while that's true, it'll be in a new world. A world of love and joy and peace. Of intimacy with you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for your mighty power that's going out right now as I share this broadcast with many. Lord, there are many listening who are broken, who are hurting, who are mentally sick, who struggle just to keep it together, tormented by demons And in the name of Jesus, I command those demons to leave now. Every person struggling with any kind of mental issue, I demand, Satan, you leave them alone. They belong to Jesus. And I ask now, Jesus, that they would be set free. That they would be released. And Lord, many that are listening today may also be sick. I'm asking for healing in their bodies. Some have Alzheimer's. Lord, I rebuke that spirit of Alzheimer's and I say, be gone from this precious person who belongs to Jesus Christ and not to you. Lord, many today who are listening are tired of just living Their American life, like the McClure's that I spoke about at the beginning. There was no peace in their family. Mac was always cussing. Teresa was always smoking with Mac, and they were cussing back and forth. George was the big bully, even bullying his dad, Mac. Lord, we're in trouble. The people of this nation are walking around like sheep without a shepherd. They don't know which way to turn. Lord, I ask in your mighty name, would you begin now to release your power over America? Did you, O oh Jesus, did you begin to release over your people the blood of Jesus Christ? Almighty God. We need you, and we love you, and we worship you. And we give to you our hearts, our minds, our bodies to be yoked in together, to walk in in power with mercy and kindness. Lord, strengthen now, please. Strengthen every person listening to this broadcast. Cast us not away, Lord. While on others thou art calling, do not pass us by Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. I'm glad you've been listening. I pray that you'll take some time and turn to the book of Matthew and just read wherever the Lord leads you and that you will give yourself entirely to Jesus you know he's calling you you know he wants you well I'm going to pray for you continue You can write to me at Pastor Ray Greenlee National Prayer Chapel Post Office Box 2346 Woodbridge, Virginia 22195 And Michael, thank you for your gift And thank you for others who are giving It's by this means that we're able to stay on the air. I don't have the money to do it, but but Jesus will move in your heart if you're to give and you're to be a part of it. Then you will be very privileged to share in the true work of the gospel. Now, you can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. NationalPrayerChapel.com And you're welcome to give online. It goes right through into the account at the bank. Thank you. I want to thank Brother Ed Pugh and his wife Song. They're a precious couple. God has moved so powerfully in them to do all the work that they do for the webpage and the podcasts. God bless you. Almighty God, as we close this broadcast today, I have such a sense of your presence. And I ask that, that same sense of your presence would be with every person in their car or at home or in their office Lord be present with your people I pray in your holy name Amen the presence
1: of his glory with, great joy, with of his glory with great joy with
0: great joy to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ alone. three-star general Michael J. Flynn head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency knew all the government's